Welcome in to the latest edition of the MLB Extras Blue Jays podcast. Tim McMaster here along with our Blue Jays reporter, Gregor Chisholm. Uh, Gregor, we're going to break down the infield uh, this week on the podcast as we continue to get ready p- people ready for spring training. Uh, you've been away for the last couple of weeks, away from the podcast. Um, you're forgiven. Uh, but you're back in Toronto, and it's cold everywhere. Um, but And Toronto, no exception. Just trying to continue to keep thinking spring training thoughts, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, it's what you want to be thinking right now is kind of some of those warm summer uh kind of Florida days that are going to happen this spring. So that's what everyone's kind of looking forward to, I think. And that's what kind of baseball kind of represents in a lot of ways. Yeah, and it's coming pretty soon. And when you look at this roster for the Blue Jays, it's pretty much coming to focus now with a couple of weeks to go before pitchers and catchers report down to Florida. Uh, the team signing of the last week, one more infielder to go into to the mix here. So let's start there as we preview the infield as a whole. Freddie Galvis. It's a one-year deal with a club option for 2020. He's obviously a really good defensive shortstop, um, a little light with the bat for the most part. The Blue Jays have Lourdes Gurriel, who I think they want to be the guy at that position. Is Galvis just a a great insurance policy for Gurriel and a guy that can also kind of be that extra infielder if Gurriel does prove to be the guy at shortstop? Yeah, and and I think the thing to watch with Gurriel is what this does is kind of open up the ability for the Jays to experiment with him at some other positions too. I think you're going to see the bulk of his game still probably coming at shortstop, um, but now you can also look to to mix him in at second base, third base, you know, maybe even a corner outfield spot from time to time, and really kind of experiment with him in that super utility type role uh, because long term that's still kind of how he projects. I mean, most people are thinking that Bo Bichette is still the shortstop of the future. He's probably not going to come up at any point this year. Uh, but a year from now, he could potentially be that shortstop. And so, you know, if Gurriel, if he was if he was going to be the only shortstop on the roster, it was potentially only going to be for a year. Now what they have is they have the ability to put Galvis there. They have a natural shortstop, which is something they didn't really have before. And now you can you can start Gurriel short, and you can also kind of move him around a little bit as well to give him a, a bit of an audition for the future role that he's going to have in this organization. That makes a lot of sense, and it's a better spot probably for everybody to be in heading into 2019 as far as a comfort level goes. Um, yeah, Bo Bichette, probably a year away. The top 100 prospects from MLB Pipeline came out um, on Saturday night with the big kickoff on MLB Network. Bo Bichette comes in at number 11 overall in Major League Baseball, so just outside the top 10. He will quickly move into the top 10 because there's quite a few guys in that top 10 they are going to graduate fairly early on during the 2019 season. Uh, no surprise, Gregor, that the number one guy is Vlad Guerrero Jr., and the waiting game is almost over for Blue Jays fans because this guy's going to be up. I don't know if he'll be there opening day. They may force him to wait a couple of weeks before he officially gets the call, but Vlad is on the way, and he's so highly regarded that Jim Callis actually wrote a story this week about whether or not he could be considered the number one prospect ever in Major League Baseball. The consensus on that was no because of his defensive shortcomings. That said, he's pretty much a sure thing to hit. Um, How excited, what's the buzz like right now 
about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and what he could be in 2019? I mean, the buzz has really been nonstop, really, for at least the last 12 months. You could probably even go back a little bit further than that. I mean, once it became pretty clear that this team wasn't going to be able to sustain its success from 2015 and 2016, I mean, people start looking at the future. And, you know, this organization... Uh, has never had a prospect quite like this. I mean, this is this goes back at least all the way to probably Carlos Delgado in the 90s in terms of a guy who's been hyped this much. And, and simply because of the era that we're in right now and all the attention that these minor leaguers get, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that, that nobody's been hyped up quite this much. And, you know, I, most teams around baseball could say that. I mean, this is kind of really a once-in-a-generation um, you know, type player is what it's kind of shaping up to be. And so, yeah, you're having conversations about whether or not this is one of the best prospects of all time. It seems like, you know, the conversation with most guys is whether or not the guy is going to be able to make the jump to the major leagues. Well, I mean, the expectations for Guerrero couldn't be higher. I mean, you're talking about not whether or not he's going to be a great player, but just how great he actually can be and whether or not, you know, he's, he's a hall of famer type in the making. And so it's going to be interesting to follow the early stages of his career. I think, People know he's going to hit uh, defensively. It's still going to be a bit of a question mark for him and ultimately whether or not he stays at third base or goes elsewhere. But, I mean, this is a guy that people are going to pay to see uh, to swing the bat, and that's what he's going to be doing pretty much from from day one whenever he does eventually make that, that long-awaited debut. Even number one prospects, there's usually a question of, oh, is he going to be able to handle uh, this kind of pitching at the major league level? Um, Are there holes in his swings? What does he still need to improve on? And from a hitting standpoint, none of those questions are are really in play for Guerrero. This is a guy that has no holes in his swing, can hit breaking balls, can hit fastballs of any speed, can really put the bat on any ball like his dad did, but he's also an advanced hitter. Um, from a mental perspective that some people kind of compare him to Manny Ramirez and that's point where he's not just going to swing at everything. He's actually going to sit back and be patient as well and take his walks when he needs to. It's just a total package. There are those questions defensively. He's a third baseman right now. Do you think the Blue Jays would prefer him to find a way to stay at third or are they fine with needing to move him eventually maybe across the diamond? Yeah, I, I think ideally they would love to keep him at third base. And I think you're, you're talking at least a few years where they're going to they're gonna try and explore uh, that, you know, on a full-time basis. You know, I still think possibly, you know, you look at, you know, when he eventually gets into probably his mid to late, even 20s, uh, as early as that will be in his career, uh, you're still probably talking about a move across the diamond at some point in time. You just, you look at that body and, and he's only going to get bigger as, as he gets older. And uh, if he loses even a little bit of athleticism, you, you probably think that a spot on the other side of the diamond at first makes some sense. But, um, you know, like so far, I've actually been pleasantly surprised with what I've seen from him defensively. You know, I, I think everyone has to talk about the defense because there's so little uh, flaws in his game offensively that you have to pick something apart. Um, you know, he's, he's shown a lot of improvement over the last 12 months. And I think, you know, at least early on when he has that athleticism in in his career, he's going to be, he's going to be just fine over there. And and then obviously his his bat just plays even better. And the comps, as far as prospects go, um, A-Rod and Griffey kind of get the call over him because of their defense, but Miguel Cabrera, uh, makes a lot of sense as a comp, especially because, Similar situation. He started his career at third base and then eventually made his way to first base, but just hit all the way through and obviously uh, an MVP a couple of times as well. And that's the kind of hype that's surrounding Vlad Guerrero Jr. is that most valuable player 
type stuff. All right, let's move on to other spots around the diamond. We kind of covered shortstop. Um, we've covered third base. Let's go over to the right side of the diamond. Second base is interesting, Gregor. Devin Travis was a guy that we talked about possibly being a candidate to uh, be non-tendered. They did tender him a contract, so he's back. You also have Brandon Drury, who may be at third, I guess, until Vlad's ready. Um, what happens at second base? Not for the first two weeks of the season, I want to say, but but for the majority of 2019. Yeah, that's I mean, that's why it's going to be such an interesting thing in, in spring training to me is that, you know, between left field and Teoscar Hernandez, Billy McKinney, to me, the, the biggest competition to watch is going to be at second base. And it, as you touched on, it's going to be a little bit delayed because you're not actually going to get the final result of that until a couple weeks into the year when Jury eventually loses his starting job at third base. But, you know, there's just too many infielders right now on this roster, especially after Galvis. Uh, was added on on a one year contract that you know a lot of those at bats are going to have to come at second and you've essentially got uh, you know you've got Guriel potentially in the mix on a part time basis there and now you've got Drury and you've got Travis and so uh, to me if you're trying to make room for Drury which seems like the Blue Jays really been trying to do since they acquired him made him kind of a you know one of the prized acquisitions in that Hap deal he seems to be a bit getting a bit more of a long term look here and, and it might eventually cut cost the uh, uh, Travis's roster spot so simply a numbers game and so you know last year Travis ended up in the minor leagues uh, you know unfortunately for him it, it's potentially a fate that could happen again this year and so you know he's really going to have to be somebody who comes in his spring training uh, swinging the bat really really well and he's going to have to really force the issue here and almost uh, you know kind of force himself into that lineup on a daily basis otherwise you know two three weeks into the year uh, he could be in trouble. Wouldn't it be great if he could get off to just a great start and then at some point he's good enough that maybe you can have a trade in some way to, to bring in some young talent as well? Because um, it seems like long term, maybe there's not a spot there. All right, first base, you have Justin Smoke. He's back for another year. Um, on the younger side, there's also Rowdy Talese, who who did some things in 2018. Is Smoke the main guy at first? Yeah, definitely. And he's he's the guy really you look at as kind of the rock of that infield so far. I mean, Vladdy will, will become that guy once he eventually gets called up. But you know, everybody else is going to move around a little bit. You're talking about a lot of guys who don't necessarily have a permanent position. Smoke's obviously not one of those guys. I mean, he's going to hit uh, in the heart of the order again. Uh, and he's and surprisingly finishing out with that option year and that three-year contract extension that he signed a number of years ago. And uh, you know, really kind of finishing that strong as well. I don't think a lot of people necessarily thought that he would be in Toronto this long when he when he joined just prior to that playoff run. And he's he's turned himself into a mainstay. And so, uh, you know, he's coming off a year last year. He wasn't quite able to replicate the success he had for, from his All Star year the year before. But uh, you're still talking about a guy who who put up pretty strong power numbers uh, and is really still going to be a mainstay in the middle of that lineup. How about Talese? Does he have a spot on this 25 man? I think he's really going to have to wait for an injury, but I, okay. you know, the side of this is that, you know, smoke's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. And uh, you know, if there's going to be ex the expectation is that this team is going to continue to rebuild and uh, not going to be in a, in a spot where they're pushing for a spot in the postseason. And so if there's a contending team out there uh, in, in late June, early July, that's looking for a power hitter at first base, smoke's going to definitely be one of the guys in the market. And I think that's when you're looking at Telez, who could be a guy uh, who comes up on, on a more permanent basis. All right, other depth. Is Richard Urena a guy that can find a spot, or is there just too many guys in this in play for the infield? Yeah, you know, Urania definitely would have been in the mix for that utility spot, and really until the Galvis signing. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, he was really the only other natural shortstop. And so right now you're kind of looking at him as probably the first line of defense. He'll be competing against, uh, you know, a veteran like Eric Sogard. Uh, in the minor leagues to be that first guy who gets called up if there's any kind of injury. But he's another guy who's going to have to really await to see what happens at second base too, because uh, you know, if Travis is around, that's just another guy who's in the mix there for that, that very crowded picture. And so he's really going to have to kind of bide his time a little bit, but you're talking about really the only, only the second natural shortstop that the blue Jays really have after uh, Galvis. So uh, at some point you got to think for a team that used eight shortstops last year, at some point he's going to be up. Is there a situation where Bo Bichette could make his debut this season, even if it's just September? Or do you think this year for him will be kind of like 2018 uh, for Vlad and that there's just no realistic purpose in bringing him up? Yeah, to me, that's the the perfect comp right there is, is the Vlad situation. And, and I think we've learned uh, how the Blue Jays ideally uh, will develop their prospects uh, and I think that he's a guy who potentially people are going to talk about all year long, especially if he puts up a kind of offensive year that Vlad did this year. Uh, I mean, the attention is going to be on him, but the Blue, Blue Jays didn't buckle under the pressure when it came to not calling out Vlad, and there's no reason to think that they'll buckle under the pressure when it comes to, to Bichette. So uh, I really think you're looking at one more year from now. I'd be surprised if, if he even gets a taste in September. Um, but really next year is going to be obviously kind of the, the, the dead end date where he, he's definitely going to be up here uh, in, in the major leagues as long as things go according to plan. All right. Well, we will be down in warm weather soon enough, Gregor. Keep thinking those warm weather thoughts. And before we know it, uh, Vlad Guerrero will be hitting spring training home runs for the Blue Jays. All right, this has been the Blue Jays podcast here on MLB Extras. You can find Gregor on Twitter at GregorMLB. I'm there at MLB underscore McMaster. All of our club podcasts are at MLB.com backslash podcast, Google Play, and Apple Podcast as well. For Gregor, I'm Tim McMaster, and thank you for listening.